Hello, this is T, and in this podcast, we will be listening to the journeys of those who have made some pretty hard decisions. See where they've started from, how they came to be, and what you can learn from them. Today, we have Alex with us, where he will be taking us along his journey. My name is Alex Chiang. I'm a grad student in my third year at the MDTP program at UW-Madison in Lindsay Kalin's lab. I study fungal bacterial interactions in biofilms in the context of chronic wounds. I'm interested in how microbes affect wound healing. What is the purpose of your work? How can your work impact people outside of science? One of my goals is to help inform treatment and diagnosis of chronic wounds. So in particular, we focus on diabetic foot ulcers, which are a type of chronic wound on the bottom of a diabetic patient's foot. And when I say a chronic wound, it just means a wound that is slow to heal or just a little stubborn. I like to think of it in terms of following the wound healing pathways and is delayed in its wound healing. So we know that there are microbes in there, but we really don't know what they're doing. And when I say they, it's a combination of microbes that exists in these wounds. And we really don't know anything about how they interact and how they affect wound healing. So I hope that my work will be able to increase our understanding and then hopefully treatment of these Let's go back to talk about how you got to where you are today. I came to the U.S. for my undergrad in 2014, but before that, I spent 19 years. I grew up in Malaysia, uh, over in Southeast Asia. I'm third-generation Malaysian Chinese. How was your experience like growing up as a Malaysian Chinese? I grew up trilingual in school, took classes in Malay, the national language, in English, and Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, and I also speak a few different dialects of Chinese, especially with my family and friends. Personally, I have to thank my aunts because my aunts were a big part of me growing up and teaching me science, so she got me a lot of books and like mm. picture books and reference books in science and books for kids to learn about science and astronomy. I think that was yeah. uh, what, what caught me when I was younger, astronomy. So it wasn't that hard to pick up science in English. So were you always interested in science? Yeah, I yeah. sort of always knew that I wanted to be a scientist. Knowing that you wanted to become a scientist, how was your life like growing up? My grandfather, you know, we would do things like go catch tadpoles or play around in the grass a lot and trees and catch bugs and that sort of thing. But I also lived in the city a little bit and I was definitely a little bit of the nerdy, studious type. So not very physical. All my friends would be playing soccer or basketball and I would be like doing homework or reading or something like that. It was only later on that I sort of branched out. But I think from a young age, I was that kid that was very nerdy and studious. So besides science, did you have any other interests? Music. I would say my family actually runs a music store slash music school through the Yamaha system. So we sell pianos and my aunts, two or three of my aunts are music teachers. I would say I had exposure to music from a young age, playing piano and classical music. When I got into middle school and high school, I joined the school band, the concert band, and I played mm -hmm. a French horn. Music was always a counterpart to whatever I was doing. Did you ever see yourself doing music as a career? 
there was the pressure a little bit about what society values and how you're going to earn money and make a living and sort of live that kind of life. You know, you sort of grew up with that understanding and maybe a little familial context. I'm the oldest son. I'm the oldest grandson, and there's some pressure there to succeed. And so I always knew that I would go into the sciences, and that would be my main career. But I would always have, say, the arts or right. something as a side. And I think that's totally unfair. And there are a lot of people that do that. And I come here and I see people doing that. Of course, it's hard work. Of course, it's a struggle. But Growing up, that was just the impression I had, like to have yeah. it as a side sort of thing. Where did you attend undergrad? Yeah, I went to Beloit College in Beloit, Wisconsin. It's a small liberal arts school. Each class was about three to four hundred people, and we had about twelve hundred people in total. When you moved to the U.S., what was your major? Ah, uh, so I know the U.S. system is sort of you get to come undeclared and then sort of、yeah. explore a little bit. But I actually applied as a transfer student, and so you sort of had to apply with a major in mind. I did my first year of college, got my general education credits back in Malaysia,、uh, yeah, and and so I applied as biology major. The U.S. system, you get to apply sort of more generally,、yeah. and we have colleges or private schools there that sort of model that U.S. system. My program was called American Degree Transfer Program at targeting U.S. schools and institutions. Was research prevalent in Malaysian colleges? No, we we just did classes. So there's wet lab and just like your intro biology class or chemistry class, where you had the lecture component and then the lab component. But not a lot of people were doing research. I think it was more my school was one that was focused on the transfer process, so getting people through their first year and second year. It's sort of like a community college. You do your first two years and then you transfer somewhere else. So there wasn't really a lot of research that、I、was exposed to. When you came to Beloit, did you know about research, and how did you first hear about it? I knew that I had to get some research experience in order to get into grad school, and so that was just somewhere in the plan. Like, and I had to learn about it. So I learned quickly in my first semester there things like summer research programs, and that I was not eligible for many of those programs because right,、uh, they're federally funded. Exactly.、Oh. So I had to look for like privately funded programs to apply to. Even did you get into any of the privately funded research programs? I did not my first year, and in my second year, I also applied widely, and I got into one at Beloit. Yeah. So I worked with a professor there, Amy Briggs, Dr. Amy Briggs, and she actually was、uh, an alum of UW Madison, and she was in the cellular and molecular biology program here. If you want research experience, explore summer research programs. With this opportunity, you can get involved in research at your local or at an outside university. You can look for publicly or privately funded programs depending on your circumstances and interests. So that was your like first research experience. Yes,、yeah. but I would also say that Beloit and, and many schools, I would say, they like to incorporate that research experience into wet labs. And we were designing small experiments or working on a semester-long sort of like molecular biology cloning project, and then we gave a poster presentation in the end. So even though it wasn't like a specific research experience, I think the wet labs gave me a lot of the skills needed in research. What did you first work on in your first lab? 
you were a plant pathology lab uh, working on a model plant Arabidopsis thaliana and I actually work on the interactions of that plant with fungal and bacterial pathogens and so I was investigating the role of a gene involved in folate homeostasis in the plant and seeing if that mutant plants with knocked out genes in that pathway had any defects in their host defense system against fungal and bacterial pathogens and I'm laughing because it's very the idea of it is similar to what I'm doing right now, looking right. at interactions of the host with bacteria and fungi. But for that context, it's just with plants instead of yeah, in, in yeah. plants exactly, exactly. So, what was like the hardest part when you first started doing research? Sort of accepting failure as a part of the process. I think failure is a thing that I was very afraid of growing up. You know, taking exams and always trying to get good grades and be a high achiever, succeeding, and so learning that experiments fail, hypotheses can be wrong, uh, you get negative results, and learning that it was all a part of science. You know, you can make mistakes. In failure as a very, very, very common part of science. That was, I think, a very important lesson that I'm still working on today. But I first learned through my first research project. Because you don't have the answers in the wet lab, the instructors know what the answers are. That you sort of have the correct outcome. But in research, it's really an open question, and so, and embracing that process is something that I'm that I first was exposed to, and I'm still learning. Research is an open question. You are working on topics that no one has ever done before. With that being said, it is okay for things not to work out the way you want it to be. That's part of research, and failing is how you learn. What were some of the accomplishments you think you made during this time? Any proudest moments? The program was structured to, you know, have those outcomes. The poster, we wrote like a sort of a summer manuscript and a reflection. So there was a lot of learning built into that program. And I think, I don't know, I didn't really think much of it at that time. But looking back now, and I recently actually looked back at like my report from that summer. In hindsight, I'm like I'm so proud of myself. Just to start something, sort of have an idea, narrow it down to a summer project, doable in six to eight weeks, and going through with that. I didn't really know it at the time, but looking back, not really proud. And of course, it was with peers, with people in my cohort, with my advisor, and everybody helping out. But in the end, that was a final product. After this lab, did you work on anything else? I, I mainly worked with Amy, Dr. Briggs, in this plant pathology lab. But my last semester, so after I got into grad school, after I committed to Madison, I actually joined a different lab at Beloit, working on an entirely different project. Honestly, to gain different skills, but also to sort of support myself through that summer before grad school. A lot of the times, my decisions were also based on necessity, you know, housing, finances, to get through. So I did actually have another experience with Dr. Rachel Bergstrom. Her program worked on mice brainwaves, and we were adapting it to work on human brainwaves. We were working on EEGs, and so it was a computer analysis of brainwaves, and we were trying to predict a seizure in epilepsy. And she had written some code that could take EEGs and predict seizures or automatically detect seizures for humans. So this was like a 180 turn for the 
fungal bacterial interaction with the host. Totally. From like molecular and sort of like host biology to computer programming coding. Total 180 for sure. So you worked on this project during your last semester of undergrad. Yes, and the semester before. So like spring,、oh. the semester when I was interviewing for grad school, being flown out every other、mm-hmm. weekend, I was in a class that was sort of like an open research class. It was an advanced topics class. So the instructor Rachel structured it this way to work on this project, and then I continued working with her throughout the summer. How did you end up in a lab that was totally different from what you were previously working on? I knew I wanted to study、uh, microbiology and microbiology. Yeah, it was sort of a side interest. I knew I was going to grad school for microbiology, but I wanted that programming experience. I just wanted something different to try out, and so I joined that lab. How was your application process? I knew if you wanted to go directly after, you would apply your senior year that fall. And so I started preparing in the summer.、Uh, I talked to people about the GRE. I talked to my professors. I talked to other people who were also applying to grad school. When you are preparing for your application, talk to the people around you. You can ask for guidance and receive feedbacks because they have either been through it before or are on the same journey as you are. Was it difficult when you had to balance school, research, and applying to grad school? It was tough, but I knew it was going to be tough. Even though I wasn't the most organized, it all worked out. It was very difficult actually writing a personal statement because you sort of have to do some soul searching. I don't know. I went through quite a few drafts of that, and I also read examples of personal statements and just really got the idea that. I really had to make it my own. It was tough. I'm here doing grad school, but I look back and I still have some sort of imposter feelings about like, oh dear, how did I ever do it? I know that many people take a gap year or two after undergrad, but you decided to pursue grad school right after. Did you ever regret this? To be very honest with you, I think in hindsight, I wished now that I'm in grad school. I think I can finish this. I think I like research is definitely what I want to do. But I really wished I took a year to tech, be a technician, or do a master's program first. I think I was empowered by my undergrad education to do research, but I still see myself as being very green or very raw, so like relatively unexperienced. And I know, as I reflect, that I learned so much just the first month of grad school. I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about research and academia at a big school that I just never had an idea of. And it's, it was just something that you have to experience a little bit. It's not like an existential crisis, but it's more like growing up. I think you have to add your own personal growth in your twenties into all of this. I never really felt that I had a choice to take a break to really decide what I wanted to do, and it was a way to just continue on with my goals, whether it be career-wise or passion-wise, interest-wise, or financial and legal,、uh, maintaining legal status. And so, it was just sort of like go, go, go. This is what you have to do. I knew I wanted to do research, but I would have thought a little more about. Graduate school versus research in other settings. There is no rush for you to continue on to your education journey right after undergrad. The four years in undergrad is tough, 
and it is okay to take a little break. You can use this time to learn more about yourself and the world. Did you ever feel like you were burning out? Yeah. I think it comes not to the extent where I'm put in a crisis or where I'm severely impaired. I think it's something that I'm still working through, that I'm still, you know, accessing mental health resources and working on myself as, as a way of sort of curbing that. Yeah, I think I would experience periods of burning out a lot because I would not set very clear boundaries with myself, especially when you are very excited about something. I think there's different kinds of burnout and the burnout that I experienced was devoting a lot of time into something, sort of binge working for a really short period of time and then not really taking care of yourself and then sort of feeling burnt out afterwards because you're not sleeping well or eating well. But I've also felt the long, slow burnout of the uncertainty and the lack of structure and having to create that structure for yourself, having to compartmentalize work and personal life and not have them blend together too much, having to deal with grad school as being both school, but also a career, trying to define that. And it's not easy because even the institutions, the university and the schools can't even define you properly. Our experience, you sort of have to define it for yourself. It's been a lot of self-learning and self-reflection and learning a lot about myself. Like a note on the mental health, I feel like for me, coming from an Asian household, Asian parents don't think mental health is real. That yeah. sounds really bad, but... Yeah. No, I agree. I feel like growing up, I always thought, oh, mental health is just whatever. It's not that big of a problem. But right. when I came to grad school, I really felt it. Taking care of your mental health is a really important part yep. you know, of going through all this. Yeah, yeah, totally. I absolutely agree. And part of me is still struggling with those two lines of thinking. Mental health as being necessary, but also mental health as being really not an issue or not real. I totally agree that was how it felt. And I'm still working through that. <laughs> Mental health is a really important aspect that I never really knew about. Growing up in an Asian American family, mental health was not a topic that was ever spoken about. My parents ingrained to me that mental health is not a real thing. Because of this, I would never focus on that and never took care of my mental health. Until recently, when I entered grad school, I realized how important it was to take care of my mental health. Your well-being has a huge impact on what you do and how you do it. It is really important to focus on your mental health, no matter how young or old you are. Before coming to grad school, what did you think grad school was going to be like? I knew it was going to be difficult because that's what I read. I actually thought it was going to be horrible. And I thought I was signing myself off to crazy PIs, abuse, horror stories, because that's what I read online. And it was way better than I thought it would be. And I understand this might be specific to my situation or my institution, but really I was prepared for the worst. And you sort of think that I can do it or I'm special or it won't be me. I can definitely see how that was naive in hindsight. I'm so thankful for the lab, the environment, the program, the school that I'm in right now. I think the mentoring environment, the training environment is so important in grad school. I'm glad I paid attention to that and I would definitely say like, as part of this pretty hard decision to really think about more of the environment and the training environment. Yeah. Yeah. 
When you first entered grad school, were there any challenges that you had to face? I would say a little bit of the unspoken rules. There's these unspoken rules of academia or sort of things that people know, but it's not said. And those were, I think, really important lessons for me. The work culture, the work habit, how do you approach things? And I think it's just coming from a different environment or a background where I, I did, just didn't know how life like this is. Even in a place with you know what I think is a relatively good learning environment and focus on mentorship and training, there are still unspoken rules that you have to learn and be aware of. It's not just the science, I think. Mm -hmm. It feels like almost like a culture that you have to learn. Exactly. A new culture you have to learn and navigate and insert yourself in or you may feel that you're constantly like not part of that culture and i think that might also be part of the imposter syndrome feeling what is your day-to-day -day life like as a grad student i was at first i was going to preface by saying like covid or the pandemic really changes things recently i've been thinking it's really not that different because we're still doing research that is bioinformatics based on a computer or doing writing, working from home is not that different because I think day-to-day -day life for me is about the small steps I need to achieve my goals, whether it is for data analysis or writing a paper or running experiments that are all small steps towards larger goals. And these larger goals I discussed with my advisor about on a weekly basis, revisit weekly, monthly, these larger goals are in place. Also, when you talk to your committee and your prelims or your annual committee meetings, and then the final context is my PhD project or my thesis, my dissertation. There's administrative stuff, talking to people, getting access, reopening lab right now. There's more to that. There's day-to-day -day maintenance of labware or instruments, uh, chores. That is just part of it. There's some paperwork sometimes you have to do, but in the grand scheme of things, it's all just small little, little steps that I'm taking. And I feel like taking smaller steps is more manageable. Yes. Because every time you do it, you can just reflect on it. Yep. And think about it and then keep moving. I feel like yes. if you try to set too big of goals, yes. and when you don't accomplish it. Yeah, it feels, you feel very defeated. You don't feel like yeah. you've made any progress, yeah. And it does feel like it was like that. Sometimes I look back at my first year and I'm like, what was I doing? And now I realize it's all part of the greater picture. And it's very difficult because, you know, there's the saying, you don't lose the forest for the trees or you don't lose the trees for the forest. You have to manage things on a, you know, down to the most detailed level on a day-to-day -day basis, but it all has to fit in and make sense as a whole, you know, in your PhD story. I mean, it doesn't have to, but in the end, it, it is going to. Right. Sort of managing both that large perspective and that granular detailed perspective is difficult, but it's a skill to learn, yeah. It, it also reminds me of biology. Right? We sometimes do systems level things or think about things as a whole and then sometimes we focus on very granular molecules or details yeah. or genes. I think that multi-scale, like thinking on different scales of organization is something that is in biology but also what my daily experience is like. Setting a mixture of small and large goals can be really impactful. The larger goals help you set the finish line 
while the smaller goals are ladders that help you get there. By having smaller goals, you can easily reflect on them each time you accomplish them. But if you always set large goals for yourself and don't complete them, you feel defeated. On the topic of your thesis, how did you get into studying fungal bacterial interactions in the context of chronic wound? Part of it is driven by my advisor, my lab, and the directions that the lab was going through. Part of it was my interest in studying uh, communities of microbes. Like I was always interested in microbial interactions and how they interact with each other and change their interactions with the environment or the host. It was a very good fit in that regard. In undergrad, I was exposed to sociology and anthropology classes, and I found human interactions very interesting, but very complicated with a lot of nuances when you have to deal with humans in society. Whereas I felt that microbes maybe could be, <laughs> you know, easily defined, or you could get down to like sort of a biology of social interactions. And so I do think that I am working on some aspect of like the sociology of microbes. What is the overall goal of your project and what are you hoping to find? While medical microbiology has been really good at identifying single causative agents for infections, the reality is that there are a lot of polymicrobial interactions, especially with the chronic wounds or in other settings too, we are learning. And this really complicates treatment, it complicates diagnosis, and we really don't know a lot about these interactions and how they can change disease, let alone diagnose them or treat them. And so I really hope that my work, which is in part elucidating some interactions which could happen in you know, some subsets or some contexts, will be able to increase our understanding of what is actually going on in a wound and will help us better understand. And once we understand, we can find ways to disrupt that relationship and eventually help in wound healing. Now that you're a third year student, you've gone through most of the milestones of grad school. How did you get through all of that? Yeah, coursework, to be honest, was fairly easy. Coming straight from undergrad, I still, you know, was used to, you know, take, was not too far away from like taking classes, you know, exams. And I had exposure to like seminar-based classes or discussion-based classes. So it wasn't too difficult for me. And I know some people who have taken quite a few years off find it sort of jarring to have to take classes and take exams again. That's what I've heard from some of my friends. But for me, that was fun. In terms of prelims, yeah, I think it was a big deal. It's a very big milestone. There were lots of ups and downs leading to it, but I had a supportive cohort, supportive program, supportive PI, supportive lab members. Yes, I did struggle, but in the end, I passed. We passed. I think of it sometimes as a collective goal, but in the end, I'm reminded it's my PhD, my journey. I do think somehow it's like a rite of passage. Everybody has to go through it their own way, sort of, and experience it for themselves. After completing these milestones, how are you feeling now? I can't believe it sometimes. Day to day, it doesn't feel different, but then you catch up with somebody or you talk about it. Like in this situation, you're like, wow, like I never thought I could do it. You asked me two or three years ago, could I see myself right now? I don't know, I, I, was, I, would, I would be like, <laughs> it's hard to believe. It's good for me, I think, to acknowledge that, yeah, it's been tough, 
and I'm so grateful to be here and I'm so proud of myself and I still have you know quite a ways to go but it gives me sort of encouragement to continue on. Do you feel more at ease or more stressed knowing that there's the pressure for you to finish? It's different. I think it's different. I enjoy being able to focus more on research and not worry about classwork or an exam that I have to pass. It's nice. And I feel that having classwork gave a little more structure initially in those first two years to slowly be able to develop more of an independent schedule now that I'm fully dedicated to research. So it's a different challenge. I think I'm still stressed because I tend to be a very stressed person anyway, but I know that the challenges are different. I'm glad that all going towards the thesis or the dissertation, it's a good place to be, I think. Yeah. Looking back from where you started until now, how do you think you've changed? I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned that there's a lot more to learn or work on about myself. I think similarly with like knowledge-wise, I've learned that there's a lot that I don't know and there's a lot to learn. I think I've become more independent. I've become more aware of things about myself that I'm working on or I'm changing, improving, uh, learning, sort of having more of a growth mindset. It is challenging sometimes, but I also know that it's part of life. So I think there's a lot of growth and insight from just experiencing things and just letting time pass and just doing it. When I was younger, when I first started, I wanted to be older or wiser and I wanted to know things. And I always wanted to read other people's experiences so that I could have an idea of what it would feel like or what it would be like. But there's really no comparison to just living through it and experiencing it for yourself. You're now at the end of your third year and about to begin your fourth year. So what is your plan for the future? I don't feel that I'm that close or that far along, but compared to other people, it's true. Like, you know, you, you gain a year. I think we will proceed on with the research and the average time of graduation is five and a half years. So I have like two years to go. So we will see, but I'm not really in any rush. In, with regards to the future, I'm really keeping my options open and I am thinking, where do I want to live? What do I want to do? How can I do it? Putting all those things together. Like a major concern, for example, is visa status and the current political environment and the things that are actually happening to the restrictions that are being put into place to visas that I would potentially be on are like in the news right now. And so it's a little bit scary to think about that. And so that is also something else I have to balance as well. It's not just what I want to do, but will I be able to do it? If you had to give your younger self an advice, what would that be? I still am, but I was especially tough on myself. And I would have liked to tell myself somewhere, I think college, college age me, my undergrad self, that you're, that you're doing fine, that I'm proud of you, that you're going to be okay to be, you know, kinder to yourself and to be compassionate. And that was Pretty Hard Decisions with T. Wynn, edited by Andy Vo.